We will be talking for the next few minutes of WGTD's morning show about gratitude. And there may not be anything that is more central to our happiness as human beings and our overall well-being than a sense of gratitude. And gratitude is something that seems to maybe come fairly naturally to some people and not so naturally to others. And maybe uh, even if someone feels an inclination to be grateful, to live a life of gratitude, that doesn't mean we always know what it is that we should be grateful for or the best ways to express our gratitude or the ways in which an attitude of gratitude should sort of permeate our, our, our being. I mean, is it something we should sort of artificially apply to the way we live, uh, something that we do dutifully, almost as if by rote, or is it supposed to spring out of the heart of our emotions? Uh, there is a lot to think about, actually, when it comes to the matter of gratitude. And I'm very grateful for a book called Grateful, The Transformative Power of Giving Thanks. And uh, it is written by Diana Butler Bass, who has written a number of different books uh, before this, and probably she's best known for her book uh, Grounded, and uh, has also written Christianity After Religion uh, and Christianity for the Rest of Us, among uh, other other works. And uh, she speaks all across the country on a number of different issues uh, related to, uh, to to various facets of our of our spiritual lives. And again, her latest book published by HarperCollins is Grateful, The Transformative Power of Giving Thanks. Diana Butler-Bass, we welcome you to the morning show. Well, thank you, Greg. It's good to be here. I'm really uh, happy to be uh, talking with you. And I think right off the bat, we should probably take a moment to say that you are writing this book, at least in part, from your own personal perspective as a person of faith, and certainly informed by what your own religious faith happens to be, which is Christian, and yet this is not a book that is intended just for Christian readers, and you really, I think in a really beautiful way, invite people of, of other faiths to, uh, to take on this topic and, uh, and explore it uh, in your book. Uh, within the context of wherever they happen to come from. Can you just say a word about that? Um, I'm glad you you start with that because one of the things I, that is a, have excuse me, one of the things that has become a hallmark of my work in recent years is the capacity to ex- express my identity as a Christian and to draw deeply out of the wells of wisdom from the Bible and from Christian theology, but also to create that broader table, because I very strongly feel that a person of faith can be comfortable and uh, friends with uh, people from all kinds of different perspectives, and that to live together from, well in a, good, in a good pluralistic society, which sometimes I think we're not doing so well right now, but we need more models of that. How do we live well together? Um, with people of difference is real is really a passion of mine, and so as a writer who happens to be a Christian, um, I'm always reaching toward other people and trying to listen to other stories and set the biggest table I can 
of uh, folks who want to engage important issues related to spirituality and faith in our culture. Hmm. As you write at one point, specifically about gratitude, gratitude is not the exclusive possession of any single way. Rather, it is truly a path that welcomes all. And again, you you welcome uh, anybody and everybody, uh, people of various faiths and people who have no particular religious faith whatsoever, uh, to, in a sense, come to the table and think about this this matter of of gratitude. I was a little years ago. Uh, I was. I just was going to follow up real quick. Years mm-hmm. ago, I was a columnist uh, for the New York Times Syndicate, and one of the most popular pieces I wrote, and this was in the late 1990s, was a piece on Thanksgiving and how Thanksgiving as a holiday might hold the ability of becoming the very best American holiday, um, because it was the only holiday that we have on the calendar that isn't either completely secular or belongs to a single religion, like, you know, Christmas or Easter. And so I was just thinking that, you know, in the late 1990s, that Thanksgiving really stood there as a possible way of celebrating gifts and abundance and all these good things, and meanwhile, having your, you know, your Jewish in-laws and your Catholic cousins and your Buddhist neighbors, you know, all at the same table. So, so I think that it is not only incumbent upon like Christians to welcome people, but to for Christians to recognize that thanks and gratitude is central mm-hmm. to all these different great world religions, all of which are present um, in the United States now, and we're reaching together, you know, to try to make uh, better communities. And so I, so it's a really important thing in terms of social and communal cohesiveness to be able to learn to work together and find those places of commonality that we share. Right. I could not agree more. Uh, I was a little surprised that the book begins as it does with, in a sense, you very much calling into question your own sense of gratitude, or maybe not so much now, but certainly in times past, and especially as a youngster growing up, uh, you really kind of highlight the ways in which, as a youngster, you really weren't as grateful as you should have been. And and even as you grew out of childhood, uh, that this continued to be a matter that really was kind of a source of, of trouble for you as much as anything. I mean, that you have struggled to be grateful for a a, a fairly significant portion of of your life. Can you tell us more about that that struggle and also why you thought it was important to kind of lay that out right at the outset of of, of your book titled Grateful? Part of my actual struggle with writing this book was that I never really liked gratitude books very much. So here I wound up writing one, which is just a huge, huge irony. And um, my first suggestion for a title for this book was actually No Thanks, and Mm. then some sort of subtitle that would say, you know, a journey from being an ingrate to learning to appreciate the good things of life or something like that. Um, And um, it really was born in the midst of my own feelings about not knowing what to do with gratitude and feeling a bit scolded, frankly, by self-help books and 
even within my own church community, you should feel grateful, you should feel grateful. And I didn't know what people were really talking about. And so I share some of those those moments at the beginning of the book about my own senses of inadequacy when it came to gratitude, uh, including you know fighting with my mother over writing thank you notes, um, kind of giving up on the whole uh, thing about gratitude you know in general. It's not that I have been a rude person you know someone would hold a door open for me i'd certainly say thank you or i knew how to take flowers to a dinner party you know or you know basic kinds of courtesies but um i really didn't get it um on a deep level and so there is a lot of discussion at the beginning of the book um about feelings of ingratitude uh why it is that some of us seem to struggle to get to a place of feeling grateful what gratitude really is um, and what blocks it. And those things were very important for me to be able to clear those decks and realize that gratitude isn't just something that people are imposing on me from the outside, but it is this very deep, as you said in your introduction, very deep human uh, response. And the simplest way that I've come to define it through the project and now that I've been speaking about it so often on the road in the last couple of months is that gratitude is our emotional and ethical response to gifts. And that's a, that's actually an amazing definition and it's very simple and complex at the same time. That when people, someone, the universe, God, um, gives us a gift we as human beings have some sort of response to that. And gratitude is the response, uh, a feeling of appreciation, a feeling of the recognition of the giver and of the gift, and then the emerging question, well, what do we do when we have received the gift? And so that's what, that's what gratitude is. And it is really important. It is very, very important. Um, it shapes that responsiveness to understanding where gifts are, who givers are, um, is something that really shapes our lives. Hmm. And um, I've learned to pay more attention to it in recent years, partly by clearing away so many of the false understandings that I had about gratitude. Right. Including you you spell out at one point how uh, in, in, in some places or circles or traditions, gratitude was thought of as a transaction of debt and duty, but you call us to think instead about this model of of gratitude being about gift and response, about responding to the gifts that we are given uh, one way or another that are a part of our lives. And I also appreciate, as you were talking about, how you've often not been a fan of some of the books that have been written uh, in the past about gratitude. You you talk about how, in many cases, uh, Gratitude has been seen as a feminine virtue. Gratitude has been feminized. And, uh, and, and that would even be evident in the way that the typical book about gratitude would look in terms of the daisies on the cover and the <laughs> pastel background and, and a lovely feminine-looking font uh, that, that we, we often tend not to think about gratitude, in a sense, in sturdier terms uh, that is applicable to anybody's life, including a life that's had some difficulty in it. Yeah, 
um, that is a very interesting and in, almost intractable problem around gratitude. Uh, many of the studies on gratitude show that women are more grateful than men are. And indeed, and I'm really sorry to have to tell you this, but uh, if, since you read the book, it won't be a surprise to you, but the listeners, it may be a surprise to them. There was actually an international um, academic study that was conducted on the gender basis of gratitude. And American men were, of the people included in the study, the least grateful group. Hmm. And um, they didn't posit why that would be. They simply did the research and discovered that of this worldwide population of men and women, American men were the least grateful. But I go into that a bit in the in the book, and, and I think it is related to what you just pointed out, is that typically we think of gratitude in the United States as a structure of debt and duty. That is, if you give me a gift, I'm in your debt until I discharge it. And when you take that structure of debt and interlace it with American individualism, it becomes pretty easy to see why American men feel very awkward um, with gratitude, because gratitude is a feeling of dependence. It's dependence on the giver who has given you something, and then you're dependent upon that person until you discharge the debt. And what if you're not able to discharge the debt? Um, I tell a story about a young pastor um, in the book who, in his 40s, his little children, he's a Methodist minister, and he gets cancer. And it was, it was a terrible experience for him. It was a death. It actually will kill him someday. Um, he's not cured of it, but it is completely under control, and they think it will be under control for a while. Um, but going through that, they literally thought he was going to die. And what what happened was he and his family became very dependent upon the gifts of the congregation. The congregation was paying their bills, was making their meals, it was taking him to uh, his doctor's appointment. He recounts a story where he threw up in people's cars coming back from chemo. And um, he, I heard him preach the sermon the day he came back from being on sick leave, and he said how much he hated receiving gifts because he felt like it would put him in other people's debt. And then he went on to say that this whole experience of having cancer taught him that's not what gratitude is all about. That gratitude is not a structure of, of debt, but instead it's a structure where the community simply shares from its compassion, the, the community shares its love, and that no repayment is ever expected. And that experience changed his entire understanding of gratitude. And so, so we have this, this story of, a, it's really a testimony, of a young man telling why you know, he hated gratitude because it was about debt and duty, and it undercut his sense of independence and authority, you know, as, as a man. Um, but then he had an experience where he had to learn it completely differently. And so in American culture, we have tended to universalize that experience. 
so that men have a very difficult time with what they think gratitude is because of indebtedness. But that's not what gratitude really is. <laughs> gratitude isn't about debt. Gratitude is really about free gifts, givers freely giving to other people, uh, people who, who are the recipients, receiving with joy, and then from that sense of joy, from that sense of giftedness, passing on to others. There is no debt involved. It's about gifts and response. And so, so when you ask the question about uh, women and the feminine virtue, uh, I think because of American culture, women were just more able to understand that, that idea of sharing and creating a circle of sharing. And uh, we're less fearful of ideas about dependence and ind- independence uh, than American men have been. So, so um, oftentimes gratitude has been consigned uh, to a more, quote-unquote, feminine uh, sphere. I don't always like that language. I say that in the book, but that's where we've put it. Um, and um, now it's time to understand that it isn't, it's, it's not like that. It's not a hearts and flowers thing. It's actually the the idea of gifts and response and what that can do for us as individuals to strengthen us and to strengthen social ties and strengthen our, our sense of well wellness and strengthen our capacity to care for others. Um, that that's actually very powerful, and it's very needed right mm. now, especially in our political and social environment. Right. In fact, as I read your book and talked, uh, and, and especially as you kind of explored gratitude in sort of the social sphere and gratitude on, on a, a, a community level and, and even on a, on a wider canvas than that, uh, it, uh, it reminded me of, uh, of a well-known book written not too long ago called The Politics of Resentment and how uh, many of the choices that a whole lot of people made in the voting booth uh, in, in the last uh, couple of years was fueled very powerfully by a sense of resentment. And, uh, and in some ways, resentment is, feels like close to, if not exactly, the opposite of gratitude. And, uh, and in a sense, uh, if resentment is sort of at the core of our being and fueling many, maybe most, maybe all of the choices we're making uh, in the in the at the ballot box and otherwise, uh, that really says something about who we are as individuals and who we are uh, collectively as a nation. Yeah, and resentment is one of the things that actually blocks gratitude. And if we think about what causes resentment, there there are a lot of different factors. I think there's legitimate resentment. You know, when there is a a culture or an economic system that literally takes away from people who are working hard. Um, you know, none of us likes that. And we feel resentment that we feel like we should be paid better or we shouldn't have, uh, you know, our, our money distributed in ways that we, we don't really like. And so people get angry about, say, things like taxes. Um, but it's not just about taxes. You know, there are other things that you can resent. You know, it, it's it's not good. I I work as an independent contractor, and functionally, I have not gotten a raise since 2008. 
Yeah, I'm a middle-class person. I'm an author. And um, I do speaking engagements. And it, it just, it's really awful that I'm essentially making the same amount of money that I did 10 years ago. Um, and I kind of resent that some days, you know, that our economic system really is pushing people down uh, when, for example, my parents had always told me that I would do better because I had gone on to college and that I was better educated than they were. And and so so there were certain kind of cultural expectations I had that could have fueled resentment. Uh, I happen to be a liberal Democrat, <laughs> which comes out in the book. And I'm very, I'm very generous and very open about talking about politics. I, I like in the same way I consider a table with Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus and, and uh, Jews and atheists. I'm happy to sit around a table with conservative Republicans and independents, you know, as well. I'm a very ecumenical person in this way. Um, but I think that, that, that piece, you know, about resentment, economic resentment, you know, it's very strong in our culture. And you say, well, hey, what's there to be grateful for? Um, one of the, the things I, I do in the book is I reframe uh, some of these questions. And I needed to reframe gr- gratitude as a political capacity because if somebody tells you you must be grateful, you know, I mean, it would be possible when I just said I felt resentful that I haven't gotten a raise in 10 years, it would be possible for somebody to, I think, move in and say, well, you should be grateful for what you do have. And then, right, you feel terrible. It's like, oh, my, I must be a real scumbag, you know. Okay, so I didn't get a raise, but I am not thankful enough for what I do have, and so I'm a terrible person. Um, So that's not the way I want people to approach these things. One of the one of the things I discovered as I wrote this book is the idea of this gifts and response is that we really are surrounded all the time by gifts. We we often don't notice them. We just haven't been attuned uh, to the gifts that are present in the world around us. And so gratitude opens us up to see that, to see it more widely. And... Um, Part of the reason we don't attune to gifts is because we are sort of brainwashed, I think, as Americans into a culture of scarcity, that I have to get mine, and that I, if I get mine, you know, I'm going to get ahead of all these other people, and my family will be taken care of, and I will be taken care of. But there's a different capacity in the universe, and that is something we all learned when we were little kids, and that's the idea of sharing. Um, as a Christian, the biblical story is just full of this kind of thing. You know, Jesus shows up on a hillside with a bunch of his friends, and there are 5,000 people waiting for them, and they have uh, some bread and a couple of fish, and everybody who's there is hungry, and they don't have enough to feed the crowd. And what they could have done in the story is that Jesus and his friends could have huddled and said, well, you know what, we've got to feed ourselves first before we can take care of the rest of this crowd. But that's not the way it works. Jesus instead stands in front of the crowd, blesses the loaves, blesses the fish, and just instructs his friends to start passing out um, the food. And in the story, there's enough. There's enough when there doesn't seem to have been enough. And that's what I keep thinking about our politics and our economic situation right now in America, is that we're just not seeing it correctly in some ways, is that if we really understood 
um, what gifts were, how abundant um, this this land is, how creative its people are, there really would be enough. Um, and like on that hillside so long ago um, in, that's reported in the Bible, we don't need like a Savior to come and do a miracle uh, because I don't really think the miracle was that Jesus uh, made two fish and a you know, 2,000 fish. I think the miracle was probably as Jesus blessed it, people's eyes were opened. They began to see all the food that was around them. They might have actually come with their own food, and they began to share it with everybody who was there. Um, and so so what seems like resentment at first, there's not enough. If you learn to reframe it in gratitude, oh, maybe there is enough. But I'm just not seeing how that works out right now. And if we can really begin to live back into some of these really simple, beautiful things um, about community, about abundance, and recognize, really, the United States is a very wealthy place. It's that wealth has been badly distributed. People feel left out and understandably angry about that. And so to clear the decks from that anger, to open ourselves up to to creativity, and to really find compassion once again, for each other, no matter where we are and who we are. I think that's part of the pathway toward our communal salvation. And mm-hmm. gratitude is, points the way to that. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Diana Butler-Bass about her book, A Grateful. Do you have time for a couple more questions? Sure. Um, we have not yet uh, managed to talk about a, a really important framework around the w- which the, the book is built, uh, namely... Uh, sort of a, 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 a framework or, or matrix which kind of explores both the me and the we of gratitude and also the emotions versus the ethics of, of gratitude. And it, it's, it's a framework in which uh, one might find oneself really kind of gravitating towards a particular sort of quarter of the pie. Uh, I mean, where, where somebody really is most great, most comfortable with the idea that gratitude is about me and my good feelings about the things I have versus um, versus gratitude that's built more in terms of the people around me and the community as a whole, or or I mean, other ways. Uh, it's it's really a, a, an interesting way to to frame this whole question of what gratitude is and what place should it have uh, in, in, in my life. Uh, maybe you could sketch that out even a little better than I just did about this, this framework of the kind of the four quarters of, of, of gratitude and the way in which we should aim for kind of a balance of that. Um, that framework was the thing that began my healing and discovery process um, as, I, as I wrote the book. It was such a simple thing when when I realized that gratitude's complexity is actually the way that we can come to a simpler life in gratitude. So it's it's kind of a an interesting paradox um, uh, that gratitude holds. And this is the best way I can explain it: is that my mom and I, the fight that we had when I was a little girl about thank you notes, was really about the fact that we approached gratitude very differently. And that is, I had a natural inclination 
towards the feelings, the individual feelings of gratitude. If somebody gave me a gift, I was so happy. I would cry. I would feel it really deeply. I couldn't believe that somebody would think about me to give me a present. Um, I would be your friend forever. <laughs> you know, all these things uh, would well up in me as a little kid about, about gifts. Um, my mom, on the other hand, uh, when someone would give her a gift, the first thing she would do is go over to her desk and pull out a piece of paper and start writing a note and acknowledge the gift and the giver. And so for her, gratitude was a set of practices about acknowledgement, about appreciation, about doing something in return for a gift that she received. And so that was her framework. And she was always trying to get me to do her thing. (laughs) And I couldn't understand why she didn't get that I actually did feel grateful when I struggled to write thank you notes to my grandparents. And so we approached gratitude from these two different things. I approached it from feelings, and she approached it from these actions, her ethical sort of practices of gratitude. And what I suggest in the book is that they're both true. And um, gratitude does involve our feelings, and it does involve the practices we develop in relationship to those feelings. And just because I, as a child, privileged one, feelings, that was my natural inclination, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't be able to move into the other sphere and develop a balanced life around gratitude that included both feelings and actions. Mm. So so I resonated, you know, a I resonated with that, the idea, oh, yeah, well, I can do better with this. You know, I can, I can learn these things. Even though I'm in my late 50s, I can, I can make sure people know I appreciate them. And then it just sort of dawned as I was working on the book, well, hey, if that works for individuals, wouldn't that work for all of us in community? And I began to look around for episodes where communal gratitude had been expressed as as an emotion. And I talk about the Cubs winning the World Series, um, which uh, Cleveland Indian fans might not like so much, but pretty much everybody else in America was really excited about that. <laughs> and what it did was bring forth this extraordinary sort of public sense of thankfulness and joy. And um, that happens in our culture more than we pay attention to. This uh, last week, there was a little video that went viral. It was of uh, James Corden in uh, a taxi cab karaoke. Um, he had uh, Paul McCartney come into his cab, and they did this little drive around Liverpool that was Corden's interviewing of Paul McCartney and also, of course, a lot of singing of songs. And this little video that was on YouTube went viral. Millions and millions and millions of people viewed it in the first 24 hours it was up. And as I watched it, I realized it was like the Cubs winning the World Series. It was an expression of communal gratitude. And so there is such a thing. And it's beautiful when it happens and it draws people together. And it's uh, very expressive and it's usually in the streets and it it's about celebration and the best of who we are as as people and really holding out the fact that we've received gifts and that we've received them together and um 
then, of course, that migrates into the, sec- the final real question of the book, and that is if we can experience gratitude in this joyful, communal, emotional sense, um, as as people together, can we develop ethical practices together that would reframe our communal lives? And that ultimately becomes um, talking about our political lives, our political lives in small communities such as schools or churches or city governments. Um, can it reframe the way that we understand how we live together in a state? Can it uh, reframe how we live together um, as a nation? Mm. And so, so in the same sense that I learned on the personal level that I could move from feelings to ethics, from my emotional framework to a set of practices that would make my life more balanced, um, can we move as a people from these random moments of complete abandon of thanksgiving and joy in the streets towards really taking gratitude as a central point. Now, this is gratitude, not as debt and duty, not as obligation, not as a scold, but the gratitude of recognizing the abundance of gifts that are present for us as people, and in the recognition of those gifts, can it open us up to new capacities of sharing and responsiveness to those gifts that could renew our our politics. There are a lot of wonderful insights that you share in this book, and there's no way we can touch on them all. But there are, are a couple of them that, that I want to give you a chance to uh, talk about. Um, one of the observations you make that I think is, is very helpful is when you write this, gratitude at its deepest and perhaps most transformative level is not warm feelings about what we have. Instead, gratitude is the deep ability to embrace the gift of who we are and that we are. Life is the gift. I think you're really touching on something really important there because uh, I think probably most of us, when we first begin thinking about gratitude and trying to embrace it, particularly if we're just youngsters, what we're most thankful for is that that new truck or that new doll or uh, whatever. And uh, we don't think nearly so much about being grateful for who we are or the fact that we are at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I suspect that, that, that this is probably a, 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 a hard-won insight that you have gained. Um, I... I think so. <laughs> you know, my life has been like so many others. There's been sorts of ups and downs financially. I tell the story in the book about losing a job, and um, actually, I, a story I didn't tell in the in the book is that my husband's um, business. He was he he was a publishing director at a nonprofit organization, and it closed down when he was uh, 59 years old, mm. and he's now 63, and, um, you know, he, he's worked since then, but, you know, we, we experienced this whole story, you know, about the, about the recent uh, recession in pretty drastic terms, you know, so there have been times in our lives when we've had, 
know, basically everything we wanted as a nice middle-class family. And there have been times in our lives that we have had to really struggle um, for, you know, sort of basic, basic gifts. And um, certainly that was the case when I lost my job when I was 32. It was my first ever job out of college. I was $60,000 in debt, and I got fired from being a, a college professor after teaching at one place for four years. And I was absolutely terrified, you know, that I was going to have nothing. And um, I think that uh, the, the, these bleak experiences of life, I, I feel all the emotional you know, sort of fear and worry that any human being feels. But through all that, I've also learned a few lessons. And, um, you know, I love being alive. I'm glad I'm alive. And um, who, who, I, who I am as a human being is both a gift to me, you know, just the fact that I am and that I wander around this world and that I have these years and this beautiful, amazing capacity to wake up in the morning and see see this world and see my neighbors and walk along a beach or whatever it is but then that, from that I can turn around and give other people gifts i mean those things are so so phenomenal we take them for granted every day and so so that is part of what i've learned you know on the journey and um i had really hoped when people picked up this book or would choose to read it, that they would understand that they were not just reading the words of somebody who was like a you know a successful white woman author who has a lot to be grateful for in terms of material goods. You know, I'm really quite uh, a part of the culture we live in, and that is there's been times of plenty and there have been times of want, and um, in the times of want. Uh, I've been taken to some pretty deep lessons, and and I've always tried to incorporate that into uh, a whole way of life, a way of being more attuned to the the, the deep realities of life. Mm. You certainly explore that in a portion of the book in which you talk about uh, something especially painful in your own life, uh, a story involving uh, abuse and. One of the things you tell us in relating this experience is that where where you ultimately ended up is with this question, it is not easy to live with the mysteries of pain, injustice, illness, and, and violence in our lives. But ultimately, right. the healthiest thing is if we can find our way to a place where we are grateful for our lives and for all of our lives uh, including those parts of our lives that are difficult. Yes. And um, it's not easy getting there, but one can get there. A- and um, I'm, I'm glad that I have. Mm. You also talk in the book uh, at several different points about uh, the, the, the business of connection. And you say one of the most important things about uh, gratefulness or gratitude is that it is ultimately about connection. And I think you are so right. I think about my one of my nieces and how her earliest birthday parties, uh, she would get 
in a sense, kind of lost in these presents she would be given one after another after another, and and really too young to be fully mindful of. Somebody gave this to me, and they gave it to me because they love me. And uh, she fortunately very early began to learn this business of, of gratitude and that when we are with her for a birthday party, she's not just kind of oblivious to everything else except this mountain of presence around her, but is really saying a heartfelt thank you each with each and every gift and looking at the person who has given this to her. And you realize that it's this wonderful experience of connection that she is having with all of these people that love her. And it's the difference between just having a pile of toys and having a room full of people that love you. Uh, and in a sense, that's what you're really pointing us towards in understanding kind of a, a deeper notion of gratitude. Oh, I love that because it really does point out how consumerism undermines gratitude. You know, I think so often as parents or as aunts and uncles, as friends, we feel like we can you know, essentially buy people's affection by, you know, giving them what they want. And in a sense, we're setting up a quid pro quo of love, you know. Oh, my kids will just love me so more, so much more if I give them X, Y, Z, you know, for Christmas. And that was the same thing with my daughter. You know, she used to sit in these piles of presents that, under the Christmas tree. And um, it is hard when you're being overwhelmed by all that stuff to uh, what you just said, you know, to really see each giver and to have a deep appreciation and a sense of connection for the giver. In a sense, the stuff, the piles of presents get in the way of that. And so it takes, it sounds like your niece is a very special person, because it usually takes a lot of work. <laughs> right. No, I, I <laughs> to think... To clear away the clutter yep. of materialism oh, absolutely. that point. <laughs> right. And, you know, not that there isn't an issue there, but uh, but no, I think her her parents have worked very hard to... Uh, instill that 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 sense of gratitude and uh, <laughs> as her uncle i i'm certainly appreciative of of of, of that I, I also want to give you a chance to talk about a very interesting observation you you uh you make it happens to be in the chapter uh, uh called grateful together where you are uh taking this beyond the me to the we of gratitude and uh you you have this observation a strange thing about gratitude it always comes with a preposition that we are great, grateful for something or we are grateful to somebody. And, and often we are grateful with others about something. I never stop to think about that notion of, of the preposition. So what do you think that says about gratitude itself that when we talk about it, we almost always have to use a preposition? Well, I, th- I think that underscores the connective piece. And earlier in the conversation when we were talking about the difference between you know, sort of how the ideals of American independence and individualism undermine uh, being able to get to what gratitude truly is, um, I think that this piece, the idea of the prepositions, reminds us that gratitude is in a sense a dependent clause, you know, and and uh, it's a, it is about dependence. But I I like using the word interdependence because uh, in our culture when we use the word dependence, we in, we immediately think up and down, and up and down structures when we're dependent on somebody who's over us. That structure in and of itself breeds resentment, 
Um, but if we think about interdependence, the idea that we're really sitting in a circle or around a table or in a room with a whole bunch of other people who our lives are interdependent with, that together we form a web of community, a web of creativity, a web of, of life, then you begin to see, oh, yeah, I, uh, that, uh, and gratitude moves like that. We are with these others. Uh, we are thankful for who these other people are and for the gifts that they give to the world. And so the prepositions, being little connective words, uh, remind us that, you know, our lives are truly interdependent and, and, and that that's a beautiful thing. And literally, you know, if we go way back in poetry, no man is an island. Truer words were never written, you know, and, or for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Hmm. You know, it's like, it's like these are the things that we have always known to be true, and especially people who have kind of a nostalgic turn of mind right now who want to go back, you know, to when they think Western culture was better or American culture was better. Um, and we can have some interesting conversations about that, especially in regards with race and gender and those sorts of things. But I get the, but they tend to leave something out, and that is in those older cultures, people understood how their lives were deeply interdependent on one another, that older forms of Western culture, older forms of American culture were not about independence. They were not about individualism. They were about people taking care of one another. Um, I just was driving through South Dakota, and um, I had an event out there. You know, it's beautiful, vast landscape, and you think, oh, this is the West. You know, this is about independence. This is, you know, the, the cowboy on his horse and all this kind of stuff, making a life on this tough prairie. But I grew up reading Laura Ingalls Wilder books, and I was not very far away from uh, the town where Laura Ingalls Wilder uh, managed to settle, finally. Her family settled in Little House on the Prairie. And um, those books are all about interdependence. That family would not have survived without one another, nor without neighbors, nor ultimately without the town that sprung up nearby and people who were willing to share when the crops failed and all that kind of stuff. And so um, that connective piece, I think tragically, of everything that we are struggling with in American culture right now, it's our capacity to understand. It's the loss of our capacity to understand how we're really, truly, deeply connected. Hmm. And um, liberals like talking about that in one way. Um, And I, I do think that people who... Uh, who voted for Donald Trump, for example, while they talk very fondly about the past, and I have a Ph.D. in history, I love talking about the past, they've left that piece out. And in a sense, the political vision is missing that deep capacity for connectiveness. Hmm. And that's what I really want to find again, hmm. is how can we really be grateful for with for and with one another. Right. You write at one that, point... that would change everything. Right. You write at one point, the deepest experiences of gratitude move us beyond islands of isolation into connection yeah. and community. Well, we can explore much more in your book, which again is titled Grateful, The Transformative Power of Giving Thanks, published by Harper One, a division of HarperCollins, the author Diana Butler Bass. 
Diana Butler-Bass, I thank you. I am grateful for this time that we had together to talk about your very interesting book. Thank you. I appreciate it.